So I asked my eight-year-old in preparation for today's message as we were on the way to his soccer game yesterday, knowing that we were going to be talking about discipline this weekend, I wanted to, you know, check in with my own family first and just see if my boys were kind of starting to get the principles of discipline and what we were doing and see what they thought about mom and dad's discipline. So first I started with a real simple question. I just asked him, I said, son, his name's Max. I said, Max, do you like getting disciplined? (laughs) You can imagine his response was no. Um, And I said, okay, I I get that. That makes sense, right? Because he wants to be disciplined. But then I asked him a follow-up question. I said, but would you rather live in a house with rules or with no rules? I said, for example, would you like it if mom and dad said to you, you can eat whatever you want, you can do whatever you want, whenever you and your brothers are playing, that we just let y'all do whatever you want to do, that in general, we just tell you yes, that you can do whatever you want. Would you want that? And he says, no way would I want that. And I said, well, why? He says, well, first of all, he goes, I know that I would eat stuff that's not good for me, and then I'd be sick, and I'd have a stomachache, and I don't want that. He said, I also know that then me and my brothers, we would get in fights all the time, and I don't want that. And I said, no, those are pretty good answers. I said, is there any other reason why you would want to live in a house with rules? And he got real serious for a moment. And then he looked at me, and he said, yeah, because I want to get married someday. (laughs) And I said, what are you talking about? He says, if I don't learn how to follow the rules, there ain't no girl going to marry me if I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> wise man, okay? So, so this message today is for Max and all the Maxes out there who understand that discipline is a part of guiding us into God's best for our life. So would you stand with me in honor of God's word? I want to take just a moment to welcome our campuses that are worshiping with us. Welcome to Atascacita and North Point and all of those with us worshiping online. We love you and we're so glad that you're with us. I want you to know that I've picked a passage today that's kind of unique um, because it's actually a passage where the Lord is disciplining one of his own. He's speaking into the life of his faithful servant, Job. And Job, if you know anything about his story, went through some crazy stuff and was extremely faithful to God. But towards the end of the story, he began to take his eyes off of the strength and the power of God and began to complain a little bit. And so God showed up and began to speak of his marvelous might and wonders to begin to try to, I believe, uplift Job and remind him who he was by getting him to look at his powerful creation and the greatness of who he is to remind Job that he was with him, that he had not forsaken him, and that he still had his back and that he loved him. And so, but one of the parts of this passage when the Lord was speaking to Job as I was reading through this is a part where the Lord begins to speak about one of his creatures in creation that I have a lot of respect for, but honestly don't know a lot about is the horse. And the way that the Lord described the horse reminded me of some of the things that I'm longing to instill in my kids, some of the things that I'm wanting to see come to pass as a parent. And it also reminded me some of the things the Lord, as our perfect parent, is trying to do in me. Would you read with me? It's in Job chapter 39, and it says this. The Lord spoke to Job, and he said, Do you give the horse its strength or clothe its neck with a flowing mane? Do you make it leap like a locust, striking tear with its proud snorting? It paws fiercely, rejoicing in its strength, and charges into the fray. It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side, along with the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, it eats up the ground that's in front of it. 
It cannot stand still, which reminds me a lot of my parenting with my kids that can't stand still. It cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet, it snorts. Aha! It catches the scent of battle from afar, the shout of commanders, and the battle cry. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we love you, God. And it's easy to look into your creation and see your love for us. That you have created so many majestic things, including your incredible creatures, God. And we just pray that you would help us as a church to begin to look into your word this morning. That we would be challenged by seeing how your discipline confirms your love for us, confirms your relationship with us, God. And that we have the same in our relationships, the same opportunity to use discipline in our lives to let it guide us into the thing that we want the most, a deep connected relationship with you and with others. So God, I pray that you would put grace on our words, that you would help us to honor you just by opening up our hearts, being tender today, and letting you teach us what it is you wanna teach us from your word. We love you. It's in your son's time we pray, amen. Thank you so much, you can be seated. You know, what, a, what an interesting picture you see of the Lord describing this horse because it's not really what I know to be true about horses. Uh, as to, you know, I don't know a lot about horses, but there is one thing that I've, I've, in the times that I've spent with horses, that I hear a lot about being careful not to spook a horse, that it can be easily spooked by a leaf that's blowing by or a sharp, loud noise and, and all these things of don't walk up behind a horse, which... I understand, it's good counsel. I didn't really need to be told that one, right? It makes sense not to walk up behind a horse, I guess, for me. Um, but, but there's not a whole, but because of all these rules and things that I'm told and a lack of familiarity as to how a horse is gonna respond when I step up to it, it creates a lot of anxiety in me in some cases when I'm around horses, which I'm a little ashamed to say because I feel like I'm supposed to know a lot about horses. I'm a Texan for crying out loud, right? And so I've got the boots and the cowboy hat and I'm not that comfortable around horses. Those things don't seem like they're supposed to go together, but that's really my story. I don't know a ton about horses, but yet I can look into this passage as to how the Lord spoke about horses. And I can see some things that I want in myself when it comes to what I'm trying to do, what I want the Lord to inspire me to do as a child of his, and also what I am trying to inspire and, or the kind of attitude I'm trying to inspire in my kids as well. This principle of a horse that in some ways we hear about horses that are easily spooked and shy and this and might buck or go wild or crazy, and yet when trained, and when there is trust built between it and rider, then in fact we see quite an opposite reaction of a horse as it's willing, as it becomes one of the most courageous creatures in all of creation. That as, as the battle rages on and the trumpet sounds, that it does not buck and shy away from the fight, but instead charges into the battle, is ready to take on the enemy lines and to be able to take on the battle that lies ahead, fearlessly charging ahead because of trust between it and rider, because it has been trained and is prepared to take on the fight that lies ahead. And there's something inside of me as a parent that says, yes, while I want to protect my kids, and I do, and I believe it's a part of my purpose, is to protect my kids through God's power. But I also know there's something inside of us as parents, there's something res responsible and disciplined, that there is a, a role as us as parents to also prepare, not only to protect, but to prepare our kids for the battle that lies ahead. I'm reminded of a verse in scripture when Paul was speaking to the church and to uh, Timothy when he said to him, 
that anyone who desires to live, to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That our kids and we as kids of God are going to go through challenging times. And so we aren't meant to just protect, but also to prepare our kids for battle. Because I believe that protection and preparation work together to bring us in to God's purpose for our life. And they also work together for us as parents to help guide our kids into the plan and the purpose that the Lord has for their lives. I'm reminded of the prayer that Jesus prayed just before he went to his crucifixion in John chapter 17. When he prayed over his disciples, his followers, his kids, and over all of those who would believe through their message, and he prayed two things. He prayed first and foremost that the Lord would protect them from the evil one. In which case you would think that if that's what Jesus' ultimate goal for them was just protection, then when Jesus died and paid the penalty for their sins and ascended to go to heaven, that he would just take his kids with him and take them into heaven. If the whole goal was just about protection, then why not remove them right then? And I think the simple answer is that the Lord is in what the Lord also said. He said, he said, God, I'm not praying when Jesus prayed to the Father. He said, I'm not just praying that you'll protect them. I'm not praying that you will remove them from this world, but that you will protect them from the evil one. That you will help them to stand firm in the challenges that will lie ahead of them. That they'll be able to stand for what they believe. That they'll be able to take on the enemy knowing that as they can lean upon the scripture and the promises of his word, that if God is for us, then who can stand against us? That they'll be so connected to your love and to your power, that fear, they'll be able to laugh in the face of fear as they take on whatever lies ahead of them. I wanna raise up four. God's given me the, the blessing right now of parenting four boys, and my goal is to raise up four warriors for the Lord, to protect them through God's power with everything I can, but to also prepare them to stand up under whatever temptation or persecution that might come their way. Well, and how do we do that? What's really, what is the, the goal that we're trying to build between us and them is really has a lot to do with trust and parenting from our purpose. Remembering that if my goal is protection and preparation, then trust is gonna play a big role of that. But there's also a fine line between building trust and breaking spirits. And that's our first point today, is that's what we wanna do. We wanna build trust with our kids not break spirits. It's what the Lord does with us, right? And really, that's one of the things that's so important about this message is yes, we are talking about discipline in a parenting series, and so it's gonna have parenting skin on, but remember, the ultimate parent is the Lord on how he works with us, and every earthly relationship is only a shadow of what we have with the Lord. And while we can flourish without great earthly parents, because we have, the reason we can flourish without great earthly parents is because we have a perfect heavenly parent in God. And ultimately, as parents, we have an opportunity to be a reflection of God's love. But as it says in Corinthians, we will only ever be able to be but a dim reflection. And so this message is for anyone in this room, whether you are, your kids are, 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 old and raised now, whether or not um, and they're out of the house, whether or not you're an uncle or an aunt, or whether or not you're a kid in here who's got parents, it is important for us all to remember that parenting is a picture of what we have with the Lord, and being able to look at parenting principles and remember that what while we as parents have a role in our kid's life, it's a foreshadow, it's a, it's a shadow of what we have in the Lord and being able to draw those comparisons and look and glean and learn from the principles that the Lord gives us as parents to say, aha, 
I remember now also what the Lord is doing in my life and I will choose to learn and listen and follow his commands as God calls children to obey their parents' commands. Well, why is it that we wanna build trust and not break spirits? What's this, what is this centered around of a desire to, to build trust? Well, a, a part of what's unique about if you, uh, while I don't know a lot about horses, there is something wonderful about watching any kind of equestrian sport, right? There is something wonderful about watching horse jumping at the Olympics and seeing a horse that you know in its wild and untamed state would never be able to take on some of the jumps that they uh, are able to do when there is a bond built between horse and rider that a horse that would not naturally jump over a barrier where it can't see what's on the other side because it trusts that the rider does know what is on the other side will do things that it would not be able to do on its own. What a great encouragement that is for us as parents of remembering that when we build trust between us and our kids and when the Lord builds trust with us that we will be able to do unbelievable things that we would not be able to do on our own. It's not, it, I don't know a lot about horses, but I do know that a trained, spirited creature can do far greater things than a wild and untamed creature or a trained and broken creature. We have to live and find that balance of discipline, of learning to raise kids God's way and let the Lord guide us in a way where we're able to build trust with him, that we can accomplish far greater things than we could do on our own, and also not allowing ourselves to be discouraged and, and afraid and allowing fear to govern our lives. Listen to what the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12, five. He said, and have, reminding us of the Lord's discipline, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline <laughs> and don't give up when he corrects you. Let me encourage you to underline that phrase, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. Isn't it good to know that in our walk with the Lord, because he sees us as children, that there are real boundaries and barriers into our walk with the Lord. That if the Lord looks into your life, into a decision you're making in your family, whether you're 15 or whether you're 50, no matter how old you are, that if you are making a decision that God says is not going to be safe for you, that out of his desire to protect you, he will not let you be successful in making that choice. He will not let you go down that path if, it is, if he can look ahead of you and see what you can't see and that it's not gonna be safe. Now, oftentimes we have a hard time with that, right? Because we see everything at the beginning of the path and say, this all looks good. It all seems to make sense. I should wanna go here. This all seems to be the kind of path that you would take me on. But God, who can see further down the path, who's been down that path a hundred times before, a thousand times before, is able to go ahead of us and say, no, don't go that way. And so we shouldn't make light of the Lord's discipline, just casting it off to the side, not remembering that there is real discipline and the Lord will do whatever it takes to guide us and to lead us into his very best. So we shouldn't make light of the Lord's discipline, remembering that it's important that he is going to correct us, he's going to lead us to a path that leads us to our best if we will respond to his correction. But listen to that next part, underline that next part too where it says don't give up. And don't give up when he corrects you. 
Why? Because that's what he's doing. He's not trying to stop you. He's trying to prepare you to bring you into his best. Remember, the Bible says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart, which means that whatever our dreams are and whatever has made us excited about going down that path, however big your dreams are, your dreams are never bigger than God's dreams are for you. And whatever it is that you think that you want, it is never close to what God says. He knows that what he created you for and what you really want. In the same way as parents, we have to remember that our kids will often lose sight of the vision and don't really know what it is that they want. And therefore, he has placed us in their life to be a picture of this, who will do whatever it takes to correct them to make sure that they don't take light our discipline, that we will stand our ground, we will stand for them, and we will gently, if not assertively, correct them and guide them into a path that we know will guide them into God's best. Because correction is not the same as discouragement. Redirecting, correcting, and saying, this is not a good way for you is not the same as saying, stop, don't do that, be like this, and putting them, putting parameters around something that God has created for good. Isn't it incredible when you look at God's creation, whether it's a horse or whether it's a kid, and, or whether it's our own personalities, that God in his creativity and sovereignty has made all of us so unique and so different? And I know that there are a thousand personality tests out there that try to put us into categories. But in reality, none of us fits into a single category. Why? Because we have a God who loves us so much that he knit us together in our mother's womb because he created us for a unique purpose. In Ephesians, it reminds us that before he laid the foundations of the earth, he set out good works for us to walk in. He knows the path because he loves us that much that he's calling us to go to. And he's created your kids to be unique. I have one kid in my family who's just funny. He's just funny. And he always has something quick and witty to say. Now, that's not really my wife and I's personality is having a quick comeback or being witty to do this. But we enjoy watching him with his brothers when they say something or they're in a conversation about something and he's got some sort of witty remark back and forth all the time or watching him engage with his friends and seeing how that's so good and so great and can bring so much flavor to our family. But then there are times where my wife will say, go clean your room. And he will have some sort of witty response back which is not as welcomed. And there is a tendency in me, because I'm not built that way, and I can see why that, that's not good, to want to remove humor from his personality and say, just don't even do that. Don't do that. It's gonna get you into trouble. Stop doing that. Instead of correcting him and guiding him on the basic principles of parenting for my purpose of, that's not gonna help guide you into what God's best is for your life. You do need to respect to your authority. You will not speak to mom that way. We love the way that you are, but you need to learn to bring that under control because no matter who your kid is, no matter what kind of personality they have or what you have, the truth of the matter is that we all have a unique, wild, crazy personality that the Lord has given uniquely to us. And if we allow that personality to be trained and brought under the convictions of the Lord to follow him, then the Lord will use that personality to charge enemy lines and break down the barriers and strongholds that the enemy has on people's hearts and lives. But if that same personality goes undisciplined, untrained, and unharnessed, then the enemy will use that to bring destruction into their lives and the lives of others. So we have to be all in. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 6, 4 as to how we do that. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you teach them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. 
It's not about discouraging. It's not about trying to change them to being who we are, but it is about remembering that all of us are guided by the same principles. We should be acting and making every choice from a place that shows our love for God or our love for others. And any personality under the power of the Holy Spirit will be making their choices from that place. Whether you're humorous, whether you're wild, whether you are exciting, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, all of us have been created to continue to carry out the purpose that God has created for us. And we can do it when we allow ourselves to submit to discipline. This reminds me that discipline is not something that we do to our kids. Discipline is something we do for our kids. Gone are the days where we as parents apologize to our kids from the principle of saying, you know what, I'm so sorry that I have to do this. I have to take your game away. I have to take this away. No, discipline is something that we are willing to do for you. And you're welcome that we love you enough to step in and do what we must do because we will not let the enemy take control of your personality because God created you for good. And he created you to be connected to him and connected to others. And so I love you too much to stand by, which is why I'm compelled more than ever to to believe that love must discipline. It must. Love must discipline. It has no choice where love is. When you have someone and you love them and you see that the choices that they're making are going to potentially bring them harm or take them away from God's best of their life, how can we not step in and correct and guide them back and to do whatever it takes to do that? Love must discipline. It's what it has to do. It's what it must do. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 12, 6 through 7. It says, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. He does not ever threaten our relationship with him. Our relationship with God as children is secure because our relationship with God is not about what we do, but about what his son has already done for us. So we are children of his by his might, not by our might. So our relationship with God is in solid ground, and that is never on the table as a part of the punishment. The punishment is an exterior correction that the Lord uses to each child he loves to guide us in to his best. The Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. We're reminded, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. For whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? You see, discipline is important because discipline confirms that we are loved. It's how God shows us that we are loved. It's how we as parents show our kids that they are loved. And if you're a kid in this place, if you are a child still under the authority of your parents, let me assure you of something right now. Discipline is not easy for us too. And, and no parent has ever, here's the thing, right? The, the general principle of what we are trying to do is, again, to guide you into God's best, into his plans and preparations for your future. We'll come back to that in a minute. But look at this next verse in Proverbs 13, 24. It says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. And those who love their children, this is strong words, those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now, this would be an easy time to derail and get into a conversation as to what techniques the Bible says are important to discipline, but I don't believe techniques is the primary context of this verse. It's what came after the technique that is critical. When it says that if you love your kids, you must discipline. We will do whatever it takes to protect and guide them into God's best for their future. Because those who love their children care enough 
to lay down what we want, what feels good to us, to do what is best for those whom we love. Well then, so what, what do we say about techniques? Well, there are lots of different techniques as we parent out how to discipline, how to correct, how to bring back onto the right path. But the problem is, is that if we get into a debate on techniques, then we can get so caught up in the debate that it keeps us from doing what we must do, which is discipline to guide our kids into what that must be done. So what can we say about techniques? Well, I can only say of a couple convictions that I have. Number one, I can tell you that for me and for my family, we will never parent from political correctness. We will never parent from a place as to what others say we should do. We will look into God's word. We will live by the convictions of God's word and from his Holy Spirit, and we will allow accountability into our relationships and into our discipline from those who also love God and have proven that they're honoring him with their life. In which case, we will listen to those things and we will be guided by that. Because why? Because not only will we not parent from political correctness, but we also need to refuse to parent from personal pride. And not let it be that I know the perfect way to parent because I don't. And God has raised up people around me to help me all the time. There does need to be humility in my parenting. And there does need to be open accountability of not being afraid of letting people into knowing what I'm doing with my kids. And if I am out of line, allowing people who love me and I love the Lord to gently correct me back onto the right path. That I might have the kind of relationship with my kids that the Lord has created us to have. There are some other things that I know are for certain things that are convictions of mine when it comes to discipline and what align with God's word, that discipline should never be from a place of anger. Because when we get angry in discipline, I know for me that when I am tempted to get angry, it is because I have in some way taken personal offense to the action of my kids. But when we parent from our purpose, we are able to resist allowing anger to control us because we can be confident that if our child was connected to the vision that we have for them and connected to the vision that the Lord has for them, that they wouldn't be doing what they're doing in the first place. And so we don't need to take personal offense to them we need, or to their actions and their inappropriate behavior, but we must remain steadfast in doing what it takes to get them on vision. Let me assure you of something. If you are in this place and, and you are a, someone still under authority or maybe you've had a, a tough relationship with a parent, but I can tell you this, that there is no parent that I know of that when the doctor placed that baby into their hands for the first time, had a vision for their kids that was somewhere along the lines of, you know what, I just can't wait for you to have a miserable life. That's the vision I have for you. It's gonna be great. I hope that you just experience all kinds of turmoil in your relationships, and I just see a, a, you know, a future for you where you are you know, all kinds of hurt and that you're gonna have lots of broken bones in your future, and it's just gonna be a really tough life for you. And I, you know, I see a future for you where you're gonna bounce around from job to job and struggle with all kinds of addictions. Mm, I just love you so much. No parent, right, has that, is that the vision that they have for their kids. All parents, when we have a kid, there is a vision where we say, I want to guide this kid into lasting relationships, to have deep, connected relationships, to live a life of significance that is connected to God and connected to others. We have a strong vision for our kids. The problem is, is that our kids don't always agree with how what, and what we should do to get them to that vision. I had a group of seniors at my house last week for our weekly Bible study, seniors in high school, 
And I asked them a few questions about discipline, knowing that this, we were going to be talking about this week. And the first question I asked them, I said, how many of you are having troubles in your communications with mom or dad? All the hands went up. Right? There's a struggle. I don't think mom's doing this. I don't think this is fair. I don't think that's that. I said, okay, that's great. Let me follow that up with another question. How many of you feel like you want to live an undisciplined lifestyle? Not one hand went up, except for the one kid, right? <laughs> You're like, no, you don't. Put your hand down. Just, it's the one, right? And so they put their hand down, and then we started walking through it. Okay, so here's the thing, right? So you're telling me, as an 18-year-old, as a 17-year-old, that you know you don't want to live an undisciplined lifestyle, but you're struggling in communication with mom and dad as to how, what it takes to live a disciplined lifestyle and what is best for you. Well, let me tell you something, because I love you. You better figure it out. Because if you can't learn to listen to mom and dad who are all up in your grill and do whatever it takes and speaking loudly when necessary and you can't respond to that voice and you aren't listening, then how are you going to listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit when you're on your own? You have to learn to listen. You have to learn to figure it out. And yes, learning to work within mom and dad's discipline, there are no perfect parents, but you better believe that God put your parents to perfect in your life to perfectly prepare you for his purpose for your life. He picked them, and he didn't make a mistake. And they aren't perfect. I'm not saying that everything they've done to you is okay, but if you learn to trust the Lord with the parents you have in front of you, it'll be that much easier to trust the Holy Spirit's authority that you'll be under when you, as you move out from underneath their authority. Love must discipline. Why? Because we are longing, from a de- we, we are pursuing a desire to bring them into what's best, which is why, as parents, you gotta stand your ground but don't hold them down. As I told you, I'm not, I'm not really a rancher kind of a person. I'm not really a farmer. But when I was 16, 17, 18 years old, there was a season in my life where I had some friends who had a ranch up in Centerville, and we would go up there, and we would just do stuff that made us feel like men. You know, we would ride ATVs, and we'd go fishing all day long, and, and we would do all these things. But that was just a lot of fun and a really great getaway. Well, at this property, they, his dad also had a lot of cows that lived on the property, and so we would see them, but we would, you know, maybe ride our four-wheelers around them from time to time, and they'd scatter, or we'd throw some feed out to them, but never really had that close of interaction with them until one time when I was about 17 years old, uh, my friend's dad called to him and said, hey, I need you to get some of your friends and bring them up, and we're going to have a roundup. Now, everything I knew about a roundup to that point was the weed killer, right? That you just spray on weeds and it's like, that's about what I knew as a roundup, okay? But I generally understood the principle what was gonna happen here is we were gonna get the cows and we were gonna move them into a place where they would get inside of, of a pen and eventually be able to, you know, that they would be able to do what the ranchers needed to do to clean their hooves and, and, and uh, mark the new baby calves and be able to give them the vitamins they needed and do the things that were important for the cows. And so I said, sure, let's go, I'll do that. <laughs> And so, so we went up there, and at first it was easy, right, as we're just moving the cows from the big fields to the small fields, and I had no idea what to do. And so when you don't know what to do, when you're a little out of your element, what do you do? You look at what everybody else is doing, right? And so I look at all the other ranchers, and they're, you know, kind of running their four-wheelers behind them, moving from field to field, and then we get to the final field, where we're in the small field, and now we're off the four-wheelers, and we're having to herd them into these metal cages that don't make them feel safe. It's not sure where they want to go. They want to be back out in the big field, okay? But it's important for them. And so we start to try to move them in there. Again, I look to my left and my right to see what the other ranchers are doing, and they're just all with their manly walk on, just letting these noises out I've never heard before, like, yeah, yeah, cow! 
I'm like, okay, that sounds a little weird, but I'll do that if that's what it takes. And I'm just hooting and hollering stuff and just, you cow, okay? Just making a fool of myself. I'm pretty sure that at some level, you're thinking like, they're just doing this to see if I will. And so I'll embarrass myself and they're gonna make fun of me later. But, but you're just, you don't know any better. So you're just doing whatever it takes to get these cows into the pens where they're supposed to be. And so we're moving them along and doing whatever. And then I find myself where I almost got the last ones in. And so I'm all the way to the right up against the gate and the fence. And there was this one steer who was amongst about the last 10 cows to get into the thing before we could close the gate behind them. And he just turned and you could tell, he was like, I ain't going in there. It was like a rebellious teenager in play, right? And so this steer turned around and you saw him, you literally saw him look at all the ranchers and then just stop on me. And he just stared me down like he knew that's the one. He's got no idea what he's doing. And he was right. And so he looked at me and he had like cow snot dripping from its nose, you know? And he had that moment where he just locked eyes with me and I locked eyes with him and all of my courage just kind of shrunk away. And he took one strong step towards me and lowered his horn and let out some sort of cow noise. And it just, the noise alone elevated me to the top of the fence. Just, I was on the ground and then I was on top of the fence. I'm not even sure how I got there, right? It was a miracle. I just, poof, I was up there. Now, you may be like, oh, wow, what a wimp. I'm telling you, okay, there's a part in Scripture where Jesus cast the demon out of a man and they went into the pigs. I'm telling you, one of those demons jumped out of the pigs and into this cow, okay? It had red eyes and everything. No, it didn't, okay. A little dramatic. I'm trying to get you guys on my side, okay? I'm up on the fence, literally clinging for my life from this bull that was going to be determined to run me over. And I was absolutely prepared to turn around and to have all the ranchers hollering out as I was used to, Mark, are you okay? Mark, what's going on? Is everything all right? You're gonna be okay. It's all right. We got it from here. Not what happened. I turned around and they're yelling, get down off that fence and stand to your ground. I was like, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> Sheepishly crawling down off the fence, letting out my biggest cow sounds. Get back in there, cow! Not sure what I'm doing, but just it's now me and the cow and it's personal now, right? And the other guys are hollering at me, come on, get in there, get him in there. And so I'm getting up there and doing what I can and eventually that cow gets in there and we shut the gate and it's like, oh my gosh. The ranchers come over and they say, hey, listen, don't you ever back down from a cow because they need to be in there. That's what's good for them. And if you don't stand your ground, it's not gonna be good for them. And the rest of the cows are gonna follow suit and it's gonna put all of us in danger and it puts the cows in danger. And so if you wanna do what's best for them, you have got to stand your ground. And all of a sudden, as I was preparing for this message, it settled in. It says, isn't that what we're doing as parents? We're rounding them up, trying to do what's best for them and guide them into God's life, God's plan and purpose for their life, but they're gonna kick against it and we have to stand together and remind each other as they kick, as they buck against what we're trying to do, that we're reminded of God's love for us when he says, I will not back down. I love you too much. I'm gonna stand my ground, not out of a desire to hold you down, but because I'm gonna guide you into what God's best is for your life when you can't see it for yourself. We gotta stand our ground without holding them down. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 12, eight. If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and not really his children at all. No child wants to be disciplined, but there is safety in boundaries. 
And we have to start now because if we don't lovingly stand up for our kids and raise them according to God's principles and values and instill disciplines in them, if we don't raise them, I'll tell you this, Netflix will. And it wants to. And I watched, we, we're doing a series right now in the, in the student ministry called Netflix And because there's a statement out there called Netflix and Chill right now that's kind of in the young teen dating thing, which is all about, yeah, we're just gonna stay in and watch Netflix, but really that's just code for it. We're gonna do things at home that we shouldn't be doing. And in general, so I started to watch some of these movies that are appealing to teenagers uh, trying to stay in tune. And some of the movies that are out there are actually have a good message but what it portrays as being common and appropriate for teenagers is so far from God's plan for their life. And so far from the convictions that we want them to have when it says things, it's like in these movies, it says, oh, this is what every teenager does. And I just wonder if teenagers are getting parented by hearing that and saying, oh, that's what it is. When there's not a parent or a loved one to stand in the gap and say, don't listen to that. That's not what every teenager does. And if it is what they're doing, it's not what you're gonna do because it's not gonna guide you into what God's best is for you. And I'm standing my ground. I will not back down because you're my kid and I love you too much. And I can't discipline the neighbor's kids. Sometimes we want to, right? But you're my kid. And I will not let you journey into something that I know won't be healthy for you. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 19, 18. It says, discipline your children while there is hope. Otherwise, you will ruin their lives. We discipline because we must, because we love them, and we want to see them walk into God's plan and purpose for their lives. Don't wait. Pray for tenderness, that they'll respond immediately. Isn't it so great if you've been blessed with a kid? Maybe you were this kind of kid where it didn't take much from your parents. All they had to do was just give you the eye. <laughs> Did your mom have the eye? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was just the eye. And, and you didn't need much more than that because you knew there was a whole threshold of discipline that came behind the eye if you didn't respond to the eye. And so the eye was all you needed and then you would melt and there was repentance and then they would pick you back up and restore you and you had the correction that you needed. It's a wonderful thing when it just takes a little bit of discipline. So pray for tenderness that our kids will respond at the simplest thing. It just takes a little, ah, cow, and they'll go where they're supposed to go. But if they don't, we will not stop standing our ground because we love them too much. And we know that what's out there for them is not what they need right now. They need to be in there and they need to have their vitamins. They need what's good for them. And they may have lost the vision for their future, but we never will. But we do it in a way that's honoring, that's not about elevating us, but about protecting and preparing them for God's future, which is why it says in Proverbs 29, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. We parent from our purpose, not from a place of, offended, of, of being offended by their inappropriate behaviors, but consistently with, from a place of understanding, understanding and if possible, quietly, continue to stand our ground and remain steadfast and say, you will not go this way. I love what Jesus said to his disciples when it talked about how we should make promises, promises with each other. I see a lot of similar parallels to how we should parent when it says, as you, as you, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. We stand our ground. We give our yes. We give our no. We correct. We direct. And we don't parent from our emotions. We parent from our purpose. Why? Because ultimately we're trying to move them from carrots to convictions. Now, again, like I said, I, I don't know a ton about horses, but I do appreciate the principle of rewarding a horse to get it to follow certain behaviors. 
to get it to want to come through the gate, to get into a place where it'll be safe to sleep for the night, or to, to get it to continue in a certain behavior that's good for it, that's healthy for both horse and rider, that that's a wonderful thing. And in the same way, right, we, we understand that rewards for our kids when we're initially training them to do something is important. If you've had an 18-month-old or a two-year-old, right, and you're training that 18-month-old or two-year-old to eat veggies, it's not always a fun process, right? When you put in that jar of green beans into their mouth or you've blended it up and you're giving them that first scoop of green beans, there's no guarantee that they're going to like it or be able to understand that it's good for them. But we do, and so we stick it in there, right? And when they swallow it and they manage to do that, what do we do? We clap, we applaud, we reward it with a scoop of pears or whatever, right? Something sweet behind it that says, this is good, I love you, there's good things coming, but this is good too and I need you to trust me, so eat, it's good for you. And it's not always easy, but at some point, right, we hope maybe later on in life when they're five or six, we say, hey, if you eat all your veggies, then you can have dessert and there's reward. But at some point, don't we long for it to remove from rewards to convictions where they're able to look at eating vegetables and say, you know what, I don't necessarily have an acquired taste for vegetables, but I understand I do like living the healthy lifestyle that it promotes. And so I want to eat my veggies, and it's, it's no longer, I don't need the cookie afterwards to eat it, but instead, it's become a conviction that the healthy lifestyle is the reward. And the same principles apply to us as parents, that what we're really trying to do is to move our kids from carrots to convictions. And can I say this? Isn't it true that that's what the Lord's trying to do in our life, too? To move us from every time we follow him in obedience and we open up and wait for the reward? And God says, it's not always gonna come the way that you think, why? Because I want you to begin to see that the real reward is peaceful living with me and with others. And that we move from carrots to convictions in our own walk with the Lord and mature in that way is really important. Listen to Hebrews 12, 11, it says this. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Oh, doesn't that just hit the spot, what we're longing for? A peaceful harvest of right living, knowing that when our kids go off to college and spring break rolls around, that they're not gonna need our rewards to make sure that they make right choices. If you don't do this, mom and dad will do this for you. We'll do if they still need it, but we wanna see them mature to where they say, you know what, I'm saying no to things that I know aren't gonna be healthy for my future relationship with my wife or my husband or aren't gonna be healthy in my relationship with the Lord because I enjoy right living. Mom and dad have trained me to say no to things that I know aren't gonna be healthy for me and I don't need the reward because the reward is the relationship that I have with mom and dad and the Lord and those who are blessed by my right living. Training isn't easy for either party. And if you're a kid in here, know this, no parent enjoys waking up and saying, you know what, I can't wait to ground my kid today. That'd be so much fun. You know what I wanna do? I wanna get up and just take my kid's phone away today. That'd be so much fun. I can't wait to look my kid in the eyes and say, you know what, I'm just taking your keys away. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm, I'm gonna ground you, I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna take this action. No parent wakes up longing to do that, but it's something that we're willing to do because we love you. And when you lose sight of the vision, we're committed to continue to guide you into it. And we will not grow weary of doing what is good because as the Bible promises in Galatians 6, 9, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. And we can't wait to see our kids become world changers. 
ones who go from being easily spooked and guided by their fears who are ready to charge into the battle that lies ahead for them, ahead of them and to tear down the enemy's barriers and strongholds that he has on the hearts and minds of their friends and those that they come in contact with because they have been guided into God's perfect plan and purpose for their life. I pray this verse all the time, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Isn't it good to know that there's a promise in God's word that says parents stay the course. Don't give up. They may be kicking, they may be rearing back and and fighting against it, but stay the course, guide them into what is good for them. And at some point, those convictions will come back. Maybe you have a child who's gone wayward. Don't give up praying. Stand your ground. Stay steadfast and holding to what you know to be true. Lovingly correct them and guide them onto God's path for their life. And the Bible says as they grow old, those convictions will come back and they'll never depart from it. They'll want to be on that path. Why do we want to do this? Because proper training leads to life-changing results. Hebrews 12, 12 through 13, this passage that we've been going throughout this whole time when the author of Hebrews was challenging us on discipline really started as a racing illustration. When Paul said, uh, uh, the author said, let us run the race that is set before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith who went before us and, and took the cross and the shame that came with it that we might be able to know that we are loved and when we experience God's discipline that it will only inspire us to keep going because life change is what is promised for those who live a disciplined lifestyle. So how does he finish this illustration? With some powerful words that any runner would understand. So take a new grip with your tired hands. Get up and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. As parents, And as a church, we're going to continue to strive to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Learn to parent from our purpose of seeing how he loved us and learning to love our kids and love others the way that he loves us. Why? Because we know that if we keep our eyes fixed on him, if we strengthen our knees and stand up for God's purpose and stand up on behalf of our kids and stand our ground and stand for what's right and stand for what's good, that God will guide our kids into being world changers. He will raise up the next generation who will stand against the enemy's desires for their lives and for their friends' lives and instead will charge into the battle, laughing at fear, waiting for the trumpet to sound that they might have their opportunity to bring God's goodness into just one more life and then one more life and then one more life. Would you pray with me? God, we love you. And your love has been so clearly laid out for us in scripture. Through your willingness to do whatever it took to bring us into your family. God, thank you that you loved us so much that you were willing to send your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, that through our faith and belief in him, that we have the right to be called children of God. And we have the opportunity to learn from your wisdom and from your grace and from your strength in our lives how to parent 
and how to love others from the same kind of selfless, sacrificial love that you showed us on the cross. So God, I pray for us as a church that you would help us to stand our ground, to continue to fight for our kids, that you would help us to operate from a place of understanding, but also a place of strength. God, I wanna take time just to thank you right now for the dad and mom that you put in my life. I know they aren't perfect, but you perfectly used them to prepare me for your purpose. And God, I thank you that because of their steadfast discipline in my life, that I've seen the harvest of blessing in a great relationship with my wife, the opportunity to parent four amazing kids, the opportunity to pastor at such an incredible church. And I know that you use them in a powerful way to prepare me for that purpose. So bless them, God, and bless these parents who are standing their ground. Bless the parents in this room who have stood their ground and will continue to stand their ground for the next generation. We will not quit. We will not back up. We will not jump on the fence because our kids are worth it. You've shown us that. And the connection with them and the harvest of right living that lies ahead of them is worth it. So we love you. Help us to strengthen our tired hands, to get up on these weak knees and to lean upon your strength that our kids might be able to find their footing in this life too, that they might be ready to charge into your purpose and into your best that you have for them. We love you. We give our kids to you. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Hey, there are so many great ways to get plugged in here at Woodlands Church. Your kids have an opportunity to join us for summer camps. There's discounts from second grade through 12th grade. We wanna pour into them for five days and let them know that God has a great plan and purpose for their life and support you in that way. Come join us for the leader rally next week and let's parent together. I need you and you need me. We can raise our kids together. Hey, don't miss next week. Pastor Kerry is back. He's kicking off a whole new series. It's gonna be awesome. Hey, church, God loves you. We love you. Go love your kids. God bless you. Have a great week. See ya. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.